0: I uh I just I guess my question for you is what is it going to take how long is it going to take so that people of color don't have to have
1: the talk I don't know and um and I think we've always known that it was going to be a long process what we didn't expect was the resurgence of overt racism Absolutely, that's the thing. Okay. That just—it's like I can't wrap my arms around that. Well, you don't have. You, you, that's because you never accepted that people actually believe that. Yeah. You know, you always thought the South was separate from the country. Well, you, you won know. the Civil War, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, but they're going to win the peace. <laughs> okay, I mean, that's that's exactly what that means. You didn't subdue them. You just won a war. You can't legislate hearts.
0: Welcome to Peter and Phil's Courageous Conversations, a podcast addressing race relations and social issues in hopes that you'll be inspired to do the same. Now, let's begin our conversation with your hosts, Dr. Peter Weinstein and Dr. Philip Nelson. Welcome to Peter and Phil's Courageous Conversations podcast.
1: A series of conversations about social justice and racial issues that began after the death of George Floyd.
0: This episode is entitled, The North May Have Won the War. Please share. So do you think that, you know, and it's been a very challenging four plus years, but I'm trying to think back to the end of the, the eight years that Obama was in office. And you know, I think of uh, was it Charleston, South Carolina, and some of the other uh, episodes of um, violence against blacks. And it's it's happened sporadically over time, and and I shouldn't say sporadically, but it's happened over time. There just seems to be an escalation, uh, a worsening, and uh, over the last five, four or five years, at all different levels, on the street. Through the police of um, black white violence, or actually people of color or people that don't look like I do, violence, both physical and verbal. There just seems to be an exacerbation of polarization. And it's gone from conversation to violence. And it continues to escalate and and worsen. You've used the term a couple of different times. How do you treat your slaves in our our conversations? It's almost like efforts to return to seventeen hundreds in many ways. Um, the biases have gotten wider. I uh, I just I guess my question for you is what is it going to take? How long is it going to take? So that people of color don't have to have
1: the talk? I don't know. And, um, and I think we've always known that it was going to be a long process. What we didn't expect was the resurgence of overt racism. Absolutely. That's the thing. That just, it's like, I can't wrap
0: my arms around that.
1: Well, you don't have, that's because you never accepted that people actually believe that, you know, you always thought the South was separate from the country. Well, you you won the civil war, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, but they're going to win the peace. (laughs) okay i mean that's that's exactly what that means you didn't subdue them you just won a war you can't legislate hearts but i do believe that from that perspective they are in the minority however i also believe that there is a vision of america that is not public it's not publicly pronounced and trump gave voice to that vision. He tried to use code, but that vision is simply translated into white America. And I don't mean to include everybody except for those who believe it. And you're not going to find many Black people who believe in white America. They're going to be white. They are a subset of, of the white population. But this is a power struggle. This is a control struggle struggle. This is a retention of power. So we're gonna make up threats like Trump didn't really lose Arizona. We're gonna make up threats like Biden really didn't win Georgia. And we're gonna use those threats to, to justify the extreme legislations that we're going to now pass to protect our power and control. Because we know the numbers, we know we're in a minority or it's fast approaching. We know that we will lose in a a pluralistic society. We know that what we're trying to do is protect the 1% because they're predominantly white. And the American dream is, I don't care how poor I am if I'm white, I got a chance. I got somebody up there fighting for me. So I mean, but the power struggle is 400 years in the making. I I don't care. It's still here. No, that, well, that, that
0: that's my point. Is uh the police were empowered in the 1800s to recapture and bring slaves back. That was part of their job as the police, if I remember right.
1: Yes, the law and the law even now even now that's part of our racist society. That's part of our racist system. Even right. now, we use the law to criminalize people easily. And once you have a criminal record, we don't believe in rehabilitation. We believe in isolation.
0: Well, I mean, it goes with the fact that what two thirds of the, the population of the jails are are people of color. It goes so on some of the uh, the laws regarding. Uh, Possession of drugs and everything else that goes back to the nineteen eighties, nineties, whenever those occurred. I mean, the the power struggle has been legislated in yeah, favor. Well, like,
1: those aren't don't you know? You're not just spouting numbers. You're spouting, You're talking about lives. No. Once and you're talking about a restrictive culture. Essentially, what we have is a system that first redlines people into certain areas of the city, restricts their opportunities and then dares them to be successful. And then we have an alternative set of laws that can be applied preferentially so that it's easy to criminalize people of color. And once in the system, they can't get out. So if you can taint a person at 13 years of age, you've removed competition for a college scholarship. You've made it easier just by numbers now for your kids to get a leg up.
0: Well, and the redlining is compounded by gerrymandering. Yeah. And I mean, what you're saying, and I mean, we call it a caste system in India, but we've got our own caste system. We just haven't called it that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely,
0: yeah. So what
1: what continues to give you hope? Our children. OK, the fact is, is that we have changed attitudes, but we have a new we have a resurgence of an old threat. Right. They would love to go back to the 1700s with 21st century technology, but they would they would love to go back to the ideals of the 17 and 1800s. Of course, that's what they want. It's just like Ronald Reagan's uh, a speech where he said, I remember when everybody knew their place. So we have to hope that our kids, who at least in my kids, are are much more eager to see a a better world. I'm not hoping. I have faith, but it's going to take time. I have faith as long as we also understand that while we're doing all this, even our um, division has been is being manipulated by outside forces. Do you remember George Benson's song
0: entitled Children of Our Future? Children Are Our Future? Yes. You just said it.
1: I believe the children are our future. Keep them well and let them lead the way.
0: Yeah, I remember that. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter remind us how we used to be. Everybody is searching for a hero. who could be someone to look up to. That's where we are. And hopefully it's our children. Thank you for joining us for another Courageous Conversation. Be sure to follow us and check back next week for more.